Welcome everybody to another episode of the 180 Impact Podcast. Back again, Aaron Smith with Rob Miller. Here I am. And um, it's been a couple weeks since we, I was going to talk about our trip up north. Just real quick, so Rob and I went up to God's Country in Nagani. Marquette. Is that say? Nagani. Nagani. We say Nagani down here, but Marquette, Nagani area. And uh, just a shout out to, man, a lot of people up there are listening. They are. So it was pretty neat. Like we'd walk into some establishments and after well, everybody knows you, but well, no, bars, was, we went to bars, bar. That's the hangout. Yeah. Apparently bars, but bar. it was, it was fun. Nagani, Michigan. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, in perspective, I'm thinking, why did you ever leave this place to come to Battle Creek? But, um, so anyway, we had a good time. I, uh, I thought I broke my toe on Presque Isle. You got attacked by my <laughs> A mother goose, <laughs> and well, we both came back with COVID. So it was a hell of a time. <laughs> I think it was an attempted assault, right? You know, because we were jogging around Presque Isle, and I'm like, "Hey, we'll get a workout in while we're here." And um, many times when I would go up on vacation, you know, I would you know run to the island, around the island, um, and come back. And it was funny because you know, like, "Hey, let's do this," and then all of a sudden you're yelling at me, and I'm like. You're like, it's got a baby. It's got a baby. And I'm like, I'm just jogging. And I didn't even see this little goose up in front of me. Yeah. But behind, I, when I look back, the mom's coming. That sucker started hissing. I'm like, I'm off the trail. So man. you're off the trail. I'm still going. I would have never even I shouldn't heard even it. said anything. You shouldn't have. Because if it were the other way around, I'd have let that mom goose I know. attack you. I know you would have. I would have probably tried to get my phone out. Of course you would have. <laughs> but, but it was a good time. Yeah. I mean, we were up there. It's, it's very relaxing, and I think one one thing that's pretty important, you know, you know, Aaron, you're a troll. Right. You know, you live under the bridge. And believe it or not, the Uper friends that I have actually liked you. That's pretty impressed. <laughs> I think, I don't know if they were intimidated by those that's tattoos that you have or, or just the fact that you're a detective or, you know, you kind of look. They're cool people. You look tough. Oh, whatever. So yeah. or maybe they just didn't. It was the Megadeth T-shirt, it, you know, from that, the '90s. That might have been. <laughs> that was it. That sealed the deal. But no, we had a good time, man. We were super busy, but uh, came back with with COVID, a couple days down. But anyway, um, so when we were up there, what we're going to talk a little bit about today is um, there's a lot of corrections officers up there, right? Because you have what is it, three prisons in the UP? Uh, I like think big ones. Oh, there's more than is there three? But okay. I think the the main one would be, you know, Marquette Branch mm-hmm. Prison which is, I believe, a Supermax. You have Eldramax, you have Veriga. So there's there's a lot of corrections yeah. officers in the And there was a lot, you know, when we'd go out uh, in your in your class, your class reunion, there was a few corrections officers. And a couple weeks ago when I was uh, teaching a class over in Jackson, Michigan, during one of the breaks, uh, a corrections officer came up to me. And leading into this podcast today, so we were talking about the communication. And he says, yeah, I you're talking about this family thing and when you communicate and when you come home and he says, I always have a a problem when I get into it with my wife and she says, I treat her like one of the inmates and I talk to her like she's an inmate and he paused and I think he was waiting for the answer. And I said, well, you probably do yeah, because I did the same thing. And, uh, I told him, I told him about, uh, specifically (laughs) one of the arguments or disagreements I had been in with my wife and, um, She'd call me Officer Smith. And I quickly said, it's detective. <laughs> but it, 
Thank God for my quick wit. But <laughs> she should have slapped you. I know. But it was enough to break the ice for us to say, all right, step back. I'm sorry. But what we're talking about here is how this job has changed the way that we communicate. Or just the way that we communicate and function in everyday life. Because, like, we all have stories, like, failure in communication. I think of a couple times, like, my wife would say, our kids are not criminals. You know, and I'd call, you know, I want to be like, Owen! You know, and she'd just look at me like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. And it's just everything. Because I could say it kind of becomes, like, when I say, like, it's your identity, it really does. You know, you're driving your car and you're checking out registration plates. You're checking, looking down street, just driving to the store. Mm-hmm. And Jen's like, what are you looking for? What are you doing all this? And I'm like, what do you mean? But it really just becomes our behavior and our way of communicating. And if you don't catch that early on in our career, it really is detrimental because it ruins relationships. Yeah, yeah. And going back to is that like, the way that we do communicate, it's kind of how we're taught. And that's not an excuse, right? But in the academy, everybody's going to lie to you. You've got to get the truth. You have to move on from call to call. You don't have time to listen really to the emotions of the other person. I mean, you're going to get the facts from them. But we become, in a way, would you say callous? Not callous, but like very straight to the point and move on. Sure. And I'm just going to put this out there. that You know, that this COVID that I had is I'm going to start clearing my throat. Okay, and fine. <clears throat> and um, I'm not going to have you turn it off every time. But when I, th- when I think you're right, like you come into this job, you go to the academy and they're like, well, you need to do investigations and you got to do good reports and how you communicate is the most important thing. Cause that's what we teach now. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, your communication skills, that's number one. But when I was going through the academy, like 25 years ago, it really wasn't, it was like, just get the facts. Yeah, it's it, a totally different ballgame now, I then, think. Yeah, and, and then we're hired. Mm-hmm. What did you think it was like when we got hired? Well, it it was so different. Or I the mean, pressure. I just, felt pressure yeah. to get all the information as soon as I could to clear so I would be available if another call came out my right. district. Cause because you don't, want, you don't want somebody taking a call in your district. Well, heaven so you, forbid. I mean, you, you can't mess around. No. Well, yeah, I and I think like when my last semester of the academy, when I got out, when I got hired uh, as an officer, I was married already, newly married. So really, that I think that whole thing, uh, as far as the communication, we just grew with the job. And I've asked uh, my wife several times about the changes and and what, when when my attitude started changing, and she noticed it about the four or five year mark, but she never really said anything. She was just in it. Jen told me one time, because, you know, we become very unemotional and callous and yeah. detached, and I think we do it so that we can deal with just the job and the craziness. But I remember one time she said, I don't know if you'd cry if one of your family members was killed. And I remember thinking, of course I would. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't show any emotion. And then when you do talk or whatever, it's barking orders. It's demanding. It's you know, everyone has an angle. Yeah. Um, Nobody so. tells you the truth. You mm-hmm. got to, you know. So, yeah. And I also noticed, too, that um, when my my communication changed with my job assignment, especially with the kids, when I was on patrol, 
Um, it was that quick control, like you said, yelling at the kids or um, listening right now, do what I say right now, job related. And then when I got into the bureau where everything has to be organized and my communication then became very, if, if things were out of order at the house, that would set me off because I'm so used to at work caseloads and this is the way you run an investigation. So then my attitude changed or my communication style changed from quick control to organization when I communicated. It was just different. I mean, it's hard to explain, but I noticed the difference in Tyler. And Tyler really brought that to my attention too because he was the exact same way. I'm going from gang unit to the detective bureau of organized and have have everything done by the time we get home so that you can do your stuff. And um, when you when you start talking to them in such a way, that's all job related. So the first thing that we have to understand is that, yes, indeed, this job will change the way that you communicate. Yeah. I mean, it just does. And you have to be aware of that first and foremost because – well, if you don't, you're going to ruin your re- you're going to ruin your relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that you need to kind of figure out or think about is that how do you make that transition from like coming home? Like we talked before, we have a five minute drive from work to home, and it's very difficult and it takes work. But when you come home, you're no longer in that role. It's like taking the uniform off. Some people talk about psychologically taking their taking their uniform off. Don't get dressed at home for work and so on and so forth. If that helps you. But um, when I come home now, it's, I've just asked, like, give, please give me a few minutes, right? I'm still kind of ramped up. Uh, you're still thinking about work. And then it's just, how was your day? Then it was okay or it was or it wasn't. But it took a long time to get there versus just coming home and what happened at work today? It's like, man. Nobody really wants to talk about that anymore. Well, sometimes you just say it's fine. Yeah. But then they continue. They want details. They do. They just want details, especially when you have younger kids. They want details, and you don't want to give details because really what you're doing is you're you're reliving that, that, I don't want to say trauma, but I guess whatever happened that day, you're having to go back and kind of rehash all of that, and you're just tired and you don't want to. So what's the answer to that? For me, it was just that, making sure that you're communicating. Number one, being self-aware that shut it off on the way home. Whatever that technique is, whatever that ritual is, whatever that switch in mindset is, and understand that they don't live in your world. Well, Jennifer did not sign up for this shit, Aaron. I mean, I think that's the biggest one when I think of like... The changes, right? She, she signed. She, she signed up to be my wife, partner, friend, companion. She's the mother of my two children. And really, it's about sharing your life together. And her asking me how my day went is just is just like, hey, how did it go? And then my interpretation of like this is like, I don't really want to talk about all of it. And I think that. I just remember, you know, the older officer saying, hey, keep work at work, home at home, have this divide, you know, it'll make you better. And I think to myself, it only made things worse for me. Like, maybe if I would have done a better job 
working on how to communicate with Jen in the beginning of my marriage and my job and understanding that they just want to know. They just want to say, they don't need all the details. They just want to know what you're doing. Like she wants to tell me what she's doing. And I think sometimes we just stop that. We, we kill the conversation because we think we're, or I thought that I was doing the right thing. Like keep them out of it. They don't need to know all the crazy stuff you see. You're just going to make them afraid. You're just going to make them scared. You're just going to make them worry about you on your job. And when you start talking about felony stops, like I had to pull my gun on somebody, you know, it's just going to make it worse for them. But I think in reality, not knowing and not giving them your partner any information or talk about, I think probably does more damage than good. Yeah. Definitely. So, so I think like, don't have to rehash, but your loved ones just want to know how your day was, not the specific details, right? Does that make Correct. sense? I agree. And then how was their day? Here's another thing that we do. If they had a bad day, we want to compare that stress to our bad day. And nobody's bad day is worse right. than our bad day. Yeah, exactly. And that's another one because, you know, our wives have completely different occupations, obviously. And it's just like you kind of get into the mindset of like, really? That's what you had to deal with? You know, a patient that cried or that fell in the parking lot. We are horrible at validating yeah. others' feelings. Yeah, that's a good way to and put it. And we base but everything on, I can't believe you're, I can't believe you're complaining about that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I had to see some dead body. I had to do this. And really, their stress and their anxiety and wanting to explain and talk to you about what the, what happened to them is completely shut down. Like we just shut the door mm-hmm. and we expect, I think, others to completely understand what we're going through. But I think that n- nobody is going to understand what we go through. Right. How do, how do well, I? And then what happens, I think, is that the people that do understand are our coworkers and then we end up in friendships with just them, which is fine. I mean, I'm never, I'm not, a, I'm not against that. Unfortunately, I met you at work and we're still best friends. So your, your best friends are going to be the people that you work with, but they, they get you. And then you sit there and trauma bond all day long. You bitch about work. You bitch about the calls. You bitch about the supervisors. You bitch about everything, right? Bitch about the car you're driving, bitch about yeah, and so that becomes a thing, and now they're, now you're validating each other, and then that's who you're communicating with is other people at work about bad stuff at work. There's nothing productive in your conversations. So then you come home, and that builds even worse because you've let everything out with your buddies, and you don't want, you're done. You don't want to talk to your kids or your spouse about uh, what else happened. Well, I, <coughs> I also think like, a lot of our conversations, Aaron, excuse me, <coughs> has to do with stress, right? You know, and maybe the negatives that you deal with every day. And I think, like, what stresses me out, what, or us, you know, a felonious assault or a car chase or something happening or a fight impacts our body in the way that we feel exactly the same as, like, Jennifer, who's a figure skating coach, when her students aren't listening to her or she's dealing with parents sometimes can be kind of crazy and have high expectations and 
demanding and that's very stressful for her. And I think to myself, like, it's almost embarrassing to, to say this, but I'm going to put it out there because I think, number one, we do not hear ourselves talk. We don't hear the, the words that always come out of our mouth. And I remember one time Jen had called me, and she was clearly upset. And as at work, and she was explaining, like, how one of her students wasn't listening to her. There was a parent. And she really just needed to vent and just wanted me to listen. Like, she, this other thing, people don't need us to be fixers all the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what in the hell? So I'm like, are you seriously calling me to, to complain about a, one of your skaters? I'm like, are you, I mean... Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'm out here dealing with people who are raping each other, shooting, killing, blah, 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 blah. I said, don't call me at work unless it's 911 worthy. Then I hung up. I can, I cannot believe I did that. I can. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, back, back then, it, <laughs> right. we, we definitely sucked at communication. Yeah. But, but you're right. I think the biggest thing is, number one, as first responders, we really, we really have to recognize that our communication skills and how we deal with the public is not conducive to a good mm-hmm. relationship with your companion, your partner, your wife, your husband, your your kids. Right, and I was going to kind of go into that after we, we talked about that. So you're exactly right. Once you recognize that, which I think we all do, just like that corrections officer and, and a couple of the guys we talked to up north, um, kids are a different ball game. Um. I, my, with the boys being a little bit older, when I had walked out of work for a time, I was finally able to come to a spot where they're old enough to understand and just really said, you know what, I put a lot of crap on you kids when you were younger because of my job and that wasn't your fault. But, and they were cool with it because they're a little bit older and the line of communication has been open ever since. But how do we get ahead of that? before we have to go back and have that conversation of, of like, hey, I put a lot of my work crap on you, a lot of my stress on you, a lot of my expectations on you. Um, get ahead of that when you're small. How do you do that? Well, I mean, if I could do anything differently, I probably would have went out of my way to try to communicate with Jen better yeah. and bring her in our inner circle. Like I think we push everyone out and the only real people that are in our circle are other police officers because you know, everyone else is crazy mm-hmm. when really we're the ones that become a little bit crazy and realizing like, Hey, they didn't, they didn't sign up for this shit. Mm-hmm. Jen signed up to be my wife. Clarissa signed up to be your wife. My kids, well, Obviously, they signed up. They're, they're our kids. <laughs> they have a <laughs> choice. But in all actuality, I think like, hey, you know, the on-duty cop, we go to work, we're busy, busy, busy. We show up, we come home. We have to you know, de- decompress. And like you said, give me a couple minutes. I mean, that, and that's pretty self-aware mm-hmm. to actually tell somebody like, hey, I need a couple minutes, then I'll, I'll do what you need. Yeah. Or what happens usually is... We, you show up, you come home, you're like, just don't even talk to me. And then you go sit in a chair, you just, you know, detach from 
everything. Right. And your kids are sitting there, your wife, your friends, whomever, you might still be living with your parents and a cop at 40, who knows? <laughs> but they want to story. But they want to talk to you. Sure. They want to really just talk to you. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, like, here's an example. I remember one time when Owen was, he was pretty young. Because I didn't leave Battle Creek. I think he was seven. But he was like maybe six, five or whatever. And I get home and he's sitting there and he's like, hey, can you fix my bike? Well, this is a bike that's been kind of flat tire. And I've been kind of putting it off as working overtime. But then I think to myself, I look back at that. And here's your son or your child. And they need you, right? You're the person that they look up to, parents to fix things mm-hmm. that they need. And so he, he he's sitting there. He wants to ride his bike. He could be sitting there all day, eight hours. And then you show up and he's like, oh, my dad's home. You know, I'll get my bike fixed. I can go ride or do this and that. And you completely just shut it, shut it down. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, there has to be a mechanism <clears throat> that if you're aware of that, like, hey, these people really want to talk to you. I think, yeah. You you have to be self-conscious every day that when you are even at work to talk to people like they are people. Yeah. And I think that mechanism that you're talking about coming home is just that. Being self-aware that put yourself in in your child's shoes, your spouse's shoes when you get home. This is what they want. Conversation with a regular person sitting there all day waiting for you to come home and fix the bike, and then you come through the door raging. I just I just did the same thing to Connor the other day. When I come home from court, I was two hours late coming home from court. I come rolling in the house. Boom. Hey, Dad, you want to look at this video I edited? Brings us, and, and that's what he's doing. That's what he loves. It's his passion. And I'm like, I kind of came at him. I'm like, guy, hold on a second. You know, blah, 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 blah. My other son was rolling out the door to work. Obviously, some of the dishes weren't done, so I'm slam. I'm trying to make my point, right? I'm slamming the dishes in the kitchen. Have you ever washed dishes? All the time. Shut up and let me finish. <laughs> All the time, dude. So my other my other son screams from the other room like, whoa, 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 because he thought it was his brother at the kitchen. I spun around and gave him a look, so then he's got to walk out the door. So what I'm saying is that this just happened to me recently, and I've been you know, trying to be aware of this communication thing for quite some time, so... The point is, is that keep working at it, keep working at it. It's very difficult. So now what we do is the, uh, I went in and told my other son, dude, I'm sorry. I love you. I had a bad day at work. It is no excuse. And he was totally, dad, I get it. It's cool, man. And then we reengaged. Show me your video. I had to text my other son as at work, like, man, I'm sorry, buddy. I love you. Nothing you did. So we, we keep that communication open. But my boys are a little bit older now, so they understand that. But that took a lot of work. To get to that point. Well, I feel like I'm a, I'm apologizing a lot. To me? No, I never apologize right. to you. You need to To my start. family. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, just to listen, right? Mm-hmm. I think, um, here's a story. Like, just, just listening to people. When we were up in Marquette and I was sitting around at my house with, you know, talking to my mom. And we were, we were just discussing the podcast and she was listening to it, you know, and, and it was very difficult for her, you know, to, to listen to that. I mean, she knew. And so we're sitting there and she's 
tearing up and she's like, you know, I never had a chance to, to have closure to this, you know, and how it impacted my mom to get a call in UP that her son was shot in the face. Yeah. And that's it. So I was sitting there and I, the, the normal Rob would have just said, hey, don't worry about it. You know, I'm okay. You know, I made it. I, I lived, you know, I've been in some other stuff, but it's okay, mom. This time I just listened. Like I really thought, like, I'm just going to listen. Mm-hmm. And she like let it out. Like, and then afterwards, and I, I gave her a hug out, told her I loved her. And I, I realized that I just never gave her an opportunity to communicate with me how that made her feel. Right. I completely have shut it down for years. And it's kind of an eye opener because those are your family. Mm-hmm. And we think like, well, this job doesn't stress me out. Yeah. But everyone else it does. Because we and know we don't communicate about it. Yeah. And I always think about that. Like we know how we know how to take care of ourselves out there, but they have no idea of what that's like. I mean, I couldn't imagine. Imagine one of your kids wanting to be a police officer now. Not not that I would ever tell them no, they absolutely can't. But to think about them having to go out there every day with the way that things are and to be able to process that when something happens to one of your children, just if they say, oh, I'm, I'm good and I'm okay, yeah, that's not enough. I can't believe I, you did that to your mom. <laughs> Helen, he's so sorry. <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. So how did that turn out? Now that you're a little bit more self-aware of how you may have come across. Well, I feel that I probably have done that many, many times in my life and not just listened mm-hmm. or tried to fix something. Just listen. Yeah. And understand that everybody has feelings, even if it's about you. Um, earlier you said, like, how do you fix this, right? So, I mean, we've thought about the way that we communicate and I think it's probably one of the top priorities for us especially in police work so that you know we're not ruining relationships I feel like we ruin a lot of relationships especially you know marriages and family and kids and when the academy graduates I think I say like hey my goal is that you know you make it through a career and that you're married your kids still love you because <laughs> it's stressful for that's them. a win that, that is a win. Yeah. That you make it through a career and you're still married or you have good relationships with the people you love and especially your kids, they still want to talk to you because I've heard horror stories of kids, cops, well, kids. We, yeah, we know a we few know. of them personally. And so I think like how, if I could give advice, like how could you change that, right? How can you change the communication style at work to have an impact your home because quite frankly we spend more time communicating in a police role oh sure than we communicate in a husband role a father role a son role so i i think you know my advice would be is when you're out there dealing with people and i've said this before not everybody is a dirtbag they are good people with bad moments Mm -hmm. and if you talk to people that way and you show concern, and you listen to them. Let a complainant or a victim tell their story without interrupting them 
to get date of birth, you know, chronological timeline, clarification. Like, just let him talk. And you're so what you're saying is that you think that will transition and carry over to your other relationships. Yes. When you get yeah, when you get home, yeah, I guess that makes sense because we do, we do spend so much time in our roles at work in our careers that gosh where do we see our family one two hours a day maybe well if you're if you're talking to the people that you deal with every day and and i'm not saying like there's gonna be times that you're gonna have to be very assertive and you're gonna have to yell at people but for the most part you know i think at least 80 percent of the time you probably can Mm -hmm. take a, a minute and listen to people and let them tell their story validate their feelings Get it off their chest, especially when they're pissed off, rather than shutting them down, saying it's not a big deal, we can't do anything for you, and start talking to everyone like, hey, you're a listener. Mm-hmm. They have feelings. I'm not saying that you take you put your guard down. I'm not saying like, hey, don't have an idea that people are lying all the time because they do lie, but not everybody does. Not right. everybody has an angle. And I think that if you start changing the communication style with people on the job, because that's where you communicate the most, I think that it'll have a trickle-down effect. Okay. Yeah. And I would say my, my advice would be find some sort of a transition period on your way home, whether that's mental rehearsal, self-talk about, all right, I'm heading home. My work day's over. I'm going to see how the kids were. You know, if there's conflict or there's something that they didn't get done or they did do or they didn't do, how are you going to handle that? So walk yourself through that before you get home. They're going to want to know how your day went. Treat them like they're your children. Treat them, you know, your spouse is the same way. It's your spouse because, I mean, that guy's like, my wife (coughs) said I'd treat her like an inmate. And I said, the look on his face, man, when I said, you know why? Because you do. And then I said, "I I did the same thing. Probably still do sometimes, but we do. And you have to be responsible for that and change that. Don't compare your day to their day, your job to their job. They don't live in our world, and they have no idea, and it's not fair. It's not fair to expect that they understand. Right. And I think that is something that you have to come to terms with when you're in a first responder. People are just not going to understand. Yeah. And you have to be okay with that and be okay with people like, coming up to us. I mean, think about that one. When you talk about communication, people are always coming up to us. Hey, I want to talk about a ticket that I got last week. And you're, you're telling them like, shut up. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like cops don't want to go to social events, social events because they don't want to talk about police work and they don't want to talk about, you know, what's going on in society and you know, everyone has an angle. And, but, I, but for the most part, I think like an easy way to, to think about this is if you're a first responder, especially if you're police, we do a lot of training on how to visualize, say, a SWAT operation. Mental rehearsal, basically. Certain calls, how to handle, how to be tactful, how to drive, how to just do the job. We visualize ourselves doing these things. Mm-hmm. We need to visualize ourselves Hey, I'm coming home. Like you said, deal deal with what's going on at home. Your kids are going to want to talk to you. Your spouse is going to want to talk to you. You have responsibilities at home. 
You might have to fix an appliance. You might have to fix a bike. You might have to do something. And you have to put forth the effort. It's hard. Yeah, it is. So. Anything else? We just wanted to tackle this one here for a few minutes because of just that. This is a big, a big deal. And we'll get into more topics on family and communication and and things like that later. But uh, some of the things that we talked about need to be put into place. It's our responsibility. Uh, Take ownership of it, of your communication style and how you maybe interact with your loved ones at home. So I agree. I mean, if I could change anything in my career, I, I definitely would have worked on keeping my family in my inner circle. Mm-hmm. That would have been the number one thing. Yeah. All right. You good? Any, any other last? Any other stories? No, I know you got stories. <coughs> I don't know if I... This I don't know. We'll be here for another five hours. But well, I mean, obviously, the last podcast we talk about stories and what we do and what's funny and yeah, and we had to, we had you know, gosh, that's just a tip of the iceberg. Tip, yeah, very small portion, but we had to lighten some things up. We we're talking about some heavy stuff here, and we need to because I don't really think that um, a lot of the stuff is is addressed. And then when we, you know, we'll get messages from people or emails and talking about certain things, and it brings up a topic that. I think in this to be talked about. Hey, in this job, there are times that you, you you're, you're just, you're just, <laughs> you're, you're going to joke or you're going to do some cop humor. And like, like you said, you know, faking a seizure because, because <laughs> that person called in that a hooker sold him a pack of cigarette smoke with uh, lace with cyanide. I mean, I could have probably got a day off for that. You know, I think of like some of the things that we would, that we do in law enforcement dealing with, you know, complaints I mean, I remember, I'll, I'll say this one story, and then well, I'm sure we'll go, but I was doubled up with Sarah, and we were working the township up in Bedford, and in the back of the car, we found, like, this, like, neck brace, and I was, like, looking at I this know, neck brace, right this, and I was I thinking, like, how can I use this neck brace on duty? So, <laughs> we're just driving around, and I think Sarah was, like, well, let's go to the Bedford Market, you know, and get something to drink or whatever. So, so I put the neck brace on and go into the store. I'm in full uniform. And I'm standing at the counter. And the, the clerk is, like, looking at me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I, we're, just show, we're just so short-staffed right now. You know, I, I got I to work with this neck brace on, and, you know, and he, trying to maybe make them feel sorry for me. And never even laughed about it, you know, the whole thing. Played it out, get out, and, and Sarah just looks at me like, you aren't an idiot. She's right. She is right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. you have to deal with it. I mean, that's why we have a lot of quick wit and, and sense of humor, but enjoy yourself as much as you can. There's a lot of craziness sure. going on. But um, the biggest thing right now is learn, learn to communicate with those that love you because they're going to be the ones that are around when this job is over. Trust us when we say that. So um, if there's anything else that you want us to address, uh, keep reaching out. We can't get to everybody, especially through like Messenger and things like that. So make sure that you send us an email at the180impact at gmail.com and um, we'll get to you eventually. And uh, we'll just keep it moving. So until next time, thanks for listening, and we will see you.